Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Laughing Place Podcast. We're recording on August 15th, which I believe is actually something. What's it called? Like National Relaxing Day, I think it's today. So we're not relaxing. We're recording a podcast. But we've relaxed for last month. So I uh, hope you missed us. My name is Fanboy. We have Alex. Hello. We have Kyle. Hello. And that's it today. Um, so it's been a little bit. But it's been kind of a slow period, so we're gonna we're gonna try and catch up a little bit on what's been going on. Um, kind of, we're going a little bit more freestyle this week, uh, just to see where the conversation goes. Um, I like my freestyle with lime in it. Oh, oh. You, so you know, one thing in Europe, like free refills is not a thing. I've heard. Sometimes it's because it's illegal. I know soda's bad for you, and so I'm not. But any country that drinks as much alcohol and smokes as much um, cigarettes as they do in Europe really doesn't shouldn't be taking the high ground on soda because you know but in any case um, so I want to start talking w- about with uh, Christopher Robin uh, which we've all seen Christopher Robin it performed okay is that is that a fair assessment? In terms of the box office, I, I remember so. reading. I remember reading that they were expecting it to perform similar to Pete's Dragon, which didn't um, make a bajillion dollars. What's well, doing better than Pete's Dragon? Yeah. Let me pull up our predictions and let me tell you whether I think it's hit or miss. So it's made fifty-five million domestically. Now we have no idea what the budget of the movie is. Or, you know, I mean, it felt low budget compared to what Disney normally does. Well, it's just hard because Disney doesn't make this kind of movie anymore. So it's like, obviously, none of us expected it to be Infinity War. I think I I think I would be surprised if this cost more than 50 to produce. So it's probably going to at least break even, I think. Um, Yeah. It's hard to tell for marketing costs, although the marketing does seem a little more restrained than other times. Um, Pete's Dragon topped out at 76 domestic. Um, so, so this should beat that. And 143 worldwide. So if this makes it to 76 and it costs 50, then they're doing pretty good. It's already raked in, I think it's a 12 million international, which I think included the UK, where I would expect it to do well. But I know, like, my my take on it at first glance, just from the trailer, not having actually seen it uh, prior to, was that it, it it seemed to draw a lot of similarities to Paddington while looking less fun. So internationally, it has not been released in the United Kingdom. Actually, it really hasn't been released in Europe. Okay. Um, it's not it going to be not... out in China. <laughs> yeah, because... <laughs> Whatever's going on there. Um, so it's, you know, Russia, Taiwan, Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, I, have, I see numbers here, but I don't know what it means. It's made about $1.5 in Mexico. Tree. Person. I don't know what that is. Tree. House. I was quoting the film for anyone who hasn't seen it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so... Uh, Box office aside, well, and then it's, so it's got a sixty percent Rotten Tomato score, something like that, right? And an A Cinema score. 
So what did you guys think so, of it? So, so in other words, it was tied with Uncle Drew. Ooh. Well, I actually went and saw it with my wife's family. We actually made a point when the trailer came out. Her mom's a big fan of Winnie the Pooh. So we all decided to like have like a a weekend away. I think they actually stayed for like a week. But we went out to uh, the Smoky Mountains in Tennessee and all saw it together, a little theater there. Uh, so we made a big event out of it. Uh, we, everyone were look, was looking forward to it. And I thought the intro was, uh, you know, obviously like the part with Christopher Robin as a kid. Great. Um, and then the storybook I thought was okay. It was no up. Um, and then the movie just really dragged for the first however long until, you know, Pooh comes to life and until they actually get to the hundred acre wood once once that happened then it really took off for me like then i really started to enjoy it but i was wondering like why i mean especially for a kids movie i just felt like it was so slow at the beginning and i guess you could you know make the argument that it was, be it was boring because his life at that point was boring and drab but that's you know not great filmmaking and like i said especially for a kids movie you kind of need to grab their attention uh which it definitely did not for some of the kids around me. So well, I want to I want to correct that you know Disney um, in the current era and going back to Walt time, there was time in between where this wasn't the case. But in general, they don't claim to make kids movies. They claim to make movies for the entire family. Like that was always Walt's philosophy, and I felt like you could feel that in this. Um, I do agree. The uh, the pacing was very poor, and I had to read the novelization before seeing it. So I already knew a lot of what was going to happen. And on paper, Christopher Robin reads as so unlikable and depressed and just hard to connect with. Um, and even the poo parts on paper just didn't save mm -hmm. it. So I really didn't enjoy the, the novelization. I, I think if I had read a script based on, you know, the script as it was, as a studio head, I don't think I would have greenlit Christopher Robin. Um, but the the poo scenes are very charming. One of the problems I have with it is once you get once once Christopher Robin and Pooh are united, they get to the Hundred Acre Woods and he can't find his friends. And I hope that's not spoiling anything because it's in the trailer. But um, then Pooh disappears and you don't get him back until the third act. And so that was weird. Um, my biggest problem with the film, though, and this wasn't written, spelled out in the book, uh, was that somehow, for some odd reason, rabbit and owl are real animals, <laughs> but yeah. everyone else is a stuffed animal. And that made no sense, and they made no point to, like, explain any of that, um, which was bizarre. they were the that didn't go to London. They didn't go to London, but I felt like that they could have just not gone to London because Rabbit's a, a curmudgeon and Owl is um, a know-it-all who would probably think he uh, is, is above this. Right. Um, but, like, it was um, – the other thing that was weird – so – and maybe I'm just – I just always assumed because the many adventures of Winnie the Pooh and all the original Disney shorts open with a panning shot of Christopher Robin's, Robin's bedroom where these stuffed toys are not animated – um, but it was weird. The premise of like to get to the hundred acre wood, Christopher Robin would go through this like weird portal door where they all lived. Was that weird for anybody else? I mean, there's definitely like 
a whole element of the movie where you really just need to suspend disbelief because it doesn't make any sense. Like, you would like, expect that whole thing where, like, oh, he's the only one that can see them talking, but everyone I does. I expected this to be much more like a drop-dead Fred kind of situation. Yeah, where, where where only he can see Pooh, and then it creates all these situations. And, like, Pooh's interacting with the real world, but, you know, his wife and his daughter aren't seeing them. Or maybe, you know, and this would be totally ripping off drop-dead Fred. His daughter can see him because she's a child, but, <laughs> like, wife and everyone else can't. Um those kinds of things but i didn't hate it i liked it much better as a film than i thought i was going to based on the novelization that i had read um it's an interesting choice and it i think this is you know this is one of the first things that we really get to see as fans of the alan horn greenlit era because a lot of things that have come out so far you know were greenlit prior to him taking over right well i don't know that's a good question i mean Uh, it feels like he's been around forever it, it, like he's been around, I think, for like three years now. But I, I feel like because there haven't been that many. It's got to be more than that, though, because he's had done two expos, right? He's done two expos, but the first one he was like brand new. Um, I'm googling. Uh, because I felt like Queen of Cotway was was greenlit before he got there. Oh yeah, that was a, that was a thing. I love <laughs> that movie. Uh. I will say that I think I laughed at pretty like maybe ninety five percent of the things that Pooh said. Pooh is so yeah, Pooh is so funny and charming. And my favorite favorite part um, is when they're on the train, and Pooh is like Christopher Robin's trying to work and, and doesn't want Pooh annoying him, but he can't think to himself, so he starts just playing this game where he says out loud everything he sees. Yeah, like the game is called Say What You See, and so he's watching. And he's like house, tree. Woman, I don't know what that is. House. And, like, you don't get to see anything, but I want to know what it was that he didn't know what it was. I was kind of hoping as, like, a post-credit tag, they would show from, like, outside the train, and you'd see, like, the reflection, and it would be, like, something really bizarre. And you'd be like, I don't know what that is. Well, see, I... the, the thing about going to Tennessee is that we were on a road trip, so uh, the entire way back, my wife and I were playing <laughs> say what you see. Yeah. I thought that that's that scene was so charming. I mean, a lot of the I, I don't know if any of you have ever read any of the A.A. A. Milne um, kind of stories about Pooh, but that's the kind of stuff that's so charming. And when you think of Pooh, I think because there have been so many things since um, all the direct to video sequels and the many the further or new adventures of Winnie the Pooh animated series, which, you know, I enjoy all that. I don't I don't uh, begrudge any of it. But a lot of that lost that A.A. Uh, a. Milne charm. And I did appreciate that that was all in here, all those weird little quirky things. And Pooh Sticks was such a big part of the film. So my take was – so I didn't see this when it came out because I was in Europe. Um, but so when I saw it, you know, I saw it kind of on a random lazy Saturday, which is unusual for me. And I enjoyed it. I agree that there's some there's – some, weird parts to it but i think the heartwarming part and just the simplicity of it and the cuteness of it makes up for it but i do feel that this was a movie that was perhaps greenlit a little too soon um it may you know the script could have used a little well maybe one more run through um and i think a symptom of that is that they changed Tigger's voice, 
you know, through midway through production, it was going to be someone else, and then they got in Jim Cummings after it. It Chris O'Dowd. Yeah, and I feel like the fact that they considered anyone else for Tigger's voice, particularly like a stunt casting, like that would have been. You know um, what's funny? It, it, the the I didn't know this, but um, the look of this Tigger looks so much like Chris O'Dowd. <laughs> If anyone's listening to this, pull up a side-by-side picture of Christopher Robin's version of Tigger and Chris O'Dowd. Like, his eyes are close together like that. Like, it totally looks like Chris O'Dowd as Tigger now. <laughs> so, I just, I, uh, you know, I mean, I I don't know what to say. I just feel like, I mean, Haley Atwell's obviously charming. Pooh was fantastic. And everything. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not a movie it's, that you can hate might not be you know the panthe you know in the pantheon of great disney films but i just i really you know Pooh kind of struggled after they decided to release the last movie the same weekend as harry potter um but well I this one really, has already made like six times the amount right. that that one made but i was really hoping this would sort of be a repuvocation uh, of the mm-hmm. franchise and you know it's not going to be quite that and I don't know. I, I guess I just wish they took a little bit more time with it. I will say I do love the fact that they got uh, Richard Sherman in um, to do three new songs, one of which is in the film kind of right up front. And then the other two are end credit moments. And uh, that was really sweet. The soundtrack has all three Richard Sherman songs. And then there's also um, the score, which is is quite nice for this film. So if you enjoy kind of a soft listening score. It's very acoustic. Um, I enjoy this one. Yeah, John Bryan is one of my favorite uh, composers, actually. He did my favorite film, which is Punch Drunk Love, and he's also done some, like, uh, pop work with, like, Fiona Apple and stuff. So. Yeah, I wasn't too familiar with his work. Um, but is one of the two, because it's a dual composer uh, for this one, one of the two has done a couple of animated shorts for Disney, one of which was The Blue Umbrella, and then the other one was the never-to-be-released Glago's Guest. Yeah, I don't know I don't know what's happened there. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I want to know the story. Something bad happened. <laughs> they, they left it, I mean, they left it off the Disney animated shorts collection that they released a couple years ago on, on DVD and Blu-ray. Um, and it's like the only short that they produced during the time frame of that, that set that's just completely missing. I also love that they made references to some of the other Pooh films and things. Like I, I was beside myself when he did the up, down, touch the ground mm-hmm. <laughs> thing. Yeah, those, those the were cute. They had that and the, the wonderful thing about Tiggers, um, they really remained exclusively to, paying homage to many adventures and nothing else as far as i could tell i didn't notice anything that seemed um like a it could be from Eeyore-ish. a 2010 film <laughs> yeah or even a day for you which um which is you know it's interesting I, I recently went to the disney family museum and attended a presentation that uh ron clemens and john musker gave on when they started at disney in the 70s and how they got to work with the nine old men kind of in their last years and um both of them worked on Winnie the Pooh and Tigger too, like when they were in training. So that third Pooh short that ended up as, as the final act of many adventures um, is what they were trained on. But all those guys who trained and kind of grew on that worked on day for ear with Eeyore, which really uh, 
doesn't get much love. I think it's it just because it just didn't fit in. It's like this extra. Appendage. Well, yeah, it was like the fourth short that they made, but they made it after the package feature was released, and so mm-hmm. it's not as um, not as beloved. Um, and the other thing that, uh, well, I'm hoping the streaming service offers the uh, Pooh shorts in their original form in addition to many adventures, because there's really no easy way to access them now. They haven't been released, I think, since VHS in that original form. Um, but the other fun thing is, because A.A. Milne, there were only actually two true Pooh, Pooh books, like complete novels about Pooh. There was uh, the first one, Winnie the Pooh, and then the second one, I think, was Return to the Hundred Acre Wood. And then beyond that, he had published a lot of collections of short stories, some of which had ties and connections to the Pooh realms. So, like, when you look on Amazon, you'll find box sets with, like, four or five Winnie the Pooh books, but only two of them are true Pooh novels. And between many adventures and the the four shorts that they did originally, um, they adapted two more of them for two of the three segments for Piglet's Big Movie, and then the remaining one was done for Winnie the Pooh, the 2010 film. So pretty much all of the A.A. Milne adapted uh, Pooh stories have been produced by Disney Animation in some form. Who knew? Yeah, me, I knew. <laughs> but the Lickister guy, he knew. So I guess I guess we're, we're sort of in line with consensus of it's fun, it's a good time at the movies, and we'll probably be forgotten. I mean, and especially it, it depends where you where you sort of rank it um, because of its connection to an animated film property. I think a lot of people are going to be tempted to put this in a category alongside Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast and Cinderella and the Tim Burton Alice and the upcoming uh, Lion King. And Mulan is in production now. Let's yeah, but you know, I got if you Beauty and the Beast, Jungle Book. Mm-hmm are in a whole other realm than Cinderella and Peach Dragon. Well, I agree <laughs> in terms of quality, but they're all, you know, remakes of of films that connected to Disney animation. I would probably put Peach Dragon outside of that. I would put Peach Dragon maybe in a category that includes uh, Freaky Friday and <laughs> um, Parent Trap and Bat on Cat and uh, Flubber and all those, you know, remakes of live action Disney fair just because it was really a live action film with an animated character. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. So are we, are we done with Christopher Robin? I think so. Good. Comic-Con this year didn't have a huge Disney presence, um, at least on the surface of it. Uh, you know, no Marvel presentation, no Star Wars presentation, no major um, Disney studios presentation. But some things did come out of it, and I'd like to chat about that, even on Star Wars. Um, and just to give you a little bit of my sort of perspective on this, is Friday is typically Star Wars Day at Comic-Con. And what I mean by that is they take one of the rooms, room 7AB, and there's just different Star Wars presentations. Um, and they're not all just fan things. They Well, they do have that, but they'll have like Marvel uh, Star Wars Publishing, talk about books and Hasbro and this and that and the other thing. So I thought it was a little weird when they announced that they're going to do a 10th anniversary Clone Wars panel on Thursday, and they really hyped it. And they really hyped it a lot more than they hyped any other of 
the Star Wars panels throughout Comic-Con. More than they hyped the booth, more than they hyped, I mean, let's face it, anything. So um, Jeremiah was there for Laughing Place, and he attended the presentation, and uh, Lord knows what I was doing. Um, and suddenly I my phone just starts blowing up, not from him, from, you know, alerts and all these things. And they announced that Star Wars The Clone Wars is coming back and it is going to be on the Disney director consumer service. So for those of you that don't know, so star Wars, the clone wars was an animated series that really aired before the Disney acquisition. It was um, kind of spearheaded by George Lucas on in sort of a creative way, but then Dave Filoni was the animation guy. But if you listen to him, George was involved. He had things he wanted to say about the star Wars franchise and uh, that's partly to blame for their sort of messed up continuity where episodes were not released in order. You know, it's just kind of a whole mess. Um, it aired, they debuted a movie on uh, Warner Brothers released a movie. Then it aired on Cartoon Network and TBS. And then it moved just to Cartoon Network, maybe TNT, TBS, who knows the difference. Um, one's comedy and, and one's drama. Yeah. <laughs> You know, they, they used to show both show the Screen Actors Guild Award, and they might still. And we used to joke that they should show the Comedy Awards on TBS and the Drama Awards on TNT. Uh, but in any case, they – so when, when Disney bought them, it was a very expensive show to produce. It was kind of waning in popularity, very confusing. And so Disney obviously wanted something on Disney XD. They wanted something a little bit more targeted to accessible to um, kids. And so they came up with Star Wars Rebels. They released what they had still in production on Netflix as like the Lost Missions. But it was it was very clear that the show ended before it was originally designed to end. Episodes were still in production and never animated. Story reels popped up online. And they even wrote books like there's a novel um, that is based off of, you know, unfinished Star Wars, the Clone Wars episodes, so on and so forth. Now, Disney has this director consumer service where they're already making like the world's most expensive television series, uh, live action Star Wars show by Jon Favreau. So they announced that the Clone Wars will come back in this. So Star Wars Resistance, which probably is more of like rebels in terms of its accessibility is going to be on Disney X or Disney channel or Disney XD this, uh, you know, linearly, but then this, um, continuation of clone wars will be available for the low, low price of whatever it ends up being four ninety nine a month or what have you. Um, uh, does anyone care? Any thoughts? <laughs> I don't care. But I think it's cool. <laughs> like, I'm glad, I'm happy for those who do. Um, but just real quick, you mentioned Disney, Disney Channel or Disney XD. I've been so confused by those two networks lately. Like, I thought for I thought that DuckTales was a Disney XD show, but I guess it's on Disney Channel. And I feel like there are no more XD originals. They're all just kind of on both. Am, am I so, wrong yeah. about that? <laughs> the lines yeah. are very blurred now, especially with Disney Now, which I think is how most kids are, are viewing the content. Um, 
if I understand it correctly, DuckTales premieres simultaneously on both networks, same night and time. Is that correct, fanboy? That is not correct. That's not so correct. it moved to Disney Channel. So Disney XD still has the Marvel shows as well as like anime, like Pokemon and Beyblade and things like that. Everything else has been premiering on Disney Channel because they're – and I know this, this analogy will be lost on a lot of people. But it used to be ESPN and ESPN2 had very different identities. Um, they had different sports. It was a different show. And then ESPN2 became a re- basically uh, the runoff of ESPN and started showing a lot of ESPN re- reruns and everything like that. Because children consume – to be honest, children television ratings are in the toilet because they all consume things online now. So whether it's Netflix, Disney Now, Amazon, whatever, kids don't watch shows linearly. Um, and I mean, if you have if any experience with kids because they want to watch the same show over and over again, or they want to watch, you know, so they're just they're not really built to watch linear television. We did it as kids because we had to, but um, you know, and you know, you don't need from I mean. You don't really need to watch anything live. I mean, Disney tested this Quizney thing where, like, they would have sh- questions on the channel and you'd play along live. They're, so they're trying to kind of encourage at least some people to watch live through things like that or this, uh, um, you know, some stuff that's integrated with the Disney Now app. But ultimately, Disney Now is probably going to become the Disney Channel brand and they'll just put whatever on Disney channel and Disney XD whenever it airs. And so I watch most of my Disney channel programming through Disney now. And I couldn't tell you the difference if it's on Disney XD or Disney channel anymore. Cause I, yeah. Cause you know, I have to do the press releases sometimes. So I thought like big hero six, I thought that was Disney XD. And then it's like, Oh, but it's going to be airing on Disney channel this Saturday. I'm like, but what? <laughs> well, they've switched. They've changed their like networks a lot. So the gravity falls, um, it's only two seasons, and they just put out the whole series on Blu-ray from Shout Factory. And one of the nice attention to detail things that Shout did was when you pull out the individual cases, season one is branded as uh, Disney Channel, and season two is branded as Disney XD. And one of the really interesting things, so like Simpsons, they did a commentary. Alex Hirsch, the creator, did a commentary for every episode. And each episode, he has different guests, including writers, animators, and uh, cast members. But one of the things they sometimes talk about are the rules that they had to follow. Um, So on season one, when they were on Disney Channel, Disney Channel was totally fine with them doing an episode that was longer or shorter than like the 21 and a half minute runtime. But when they switched it to Disney XD for season two, it was very strict. It had to be exactly the same amount of time each episode because they were selling ads on Disney XD and they weren't on Disney Channel. Um, And then there were also some like sensory thing, like sensor, not sensory, like feeling things, but censorship uh, issues that they they were more strict when it was on Disney Channel with what they could get away with. And when they moved to Disney XD, which was geared towards a slightly older audience, they found that they could get away with a lot more um, in terms of kind of how far they were pushing boundaries for for jokes. So that was it's really interesting. It's a really enlightening uh, commentary uh, for those who are fans of the show. Definitely recommend getting that um, the Blu-ray set. Uh, and there's a lot of bonus features. There's hours of bonus features. It took me forever to review that thing. Yeah, um, it, it's it's 
it's you're not the only one who got confused and so i just gave up because obviously they don't care anymore um well what do you so i mean i do want to um i do have an opinion on uh star wars uh clone wars but um what do you think will happen to the disney kids cable networks once the streaming service goes live it'll still be around um i think they'll still have that kind of content that uh i don't know you know that hannah montana content but they're producing (laughs) content like that for the streaming service like there's a high school musical tv series for the streaming service but i think and i i I wrote an article article that's not published yet about this but i think uh the streaming service is all about getting people to subscribe and so you're gonna see a lot more franchise programming than on disney channel or just about you know that kind of disney channel environment where they can have andy mac and stuck in the middle i don't think you're going to see a lot of that on the streaming service except as archival because they're not going to give up disney channel because they still make a lot of money they're still going to at least initially going to make a lot more money on disney channel than they do on the streaming service but it's probably going to be a lot more of the same as opposed to something game changing like i think if the timing was different the kim possible movie might have been on the streaming service whereas freaky friday where they're trying to just get as many eyeballs to see it as possible would be on disney channel and honestly i don't know that they have all the answers yet i think there's probably a lot of turf wars happening as we speak but it's i want to see the disney channel turf war <laughs> I, I I imagine there's a lot of dance-offs in that ABC building. Is, is that where Disney Channel's even located? I presume so. A little green building next to animation? I, uh, I think so, but I don't I, I couldn't promise. I imagine like they're all like walking down the halls, like dance-off style, intense eyes, jazz hands. Yeah, that's what they're doing. Good. Without a doubt. Glad to hear it. Um... I should have snuck over there when I was on the lot the other day. They, so, because yeah, if you look at what ESPN Plus is doing, right? Like, so ESPN still has your bread and butter ESPN content, but they're, the right. stuff that is going to get, that people really want, that they're really passionate about, such as soccer or cricket or, you know, stuff that just might not make it economically just through advertising, but if you're paying five bucks for it, you know, they can build a case about it because you only need to subscribe for that one thing. And, you know, you might not care. You you might not care about cricket and soccer, but as long as they get you subscribed, great. Like HBO, HBO, not, you know, it's Game of Thrones and Westworld that you're paying for, but you might only subscribe just for one of those shows. I'm paying for the off chance that they do a third season to the comeback. <laughs> and then, um. And you even see it. With, you even see it with like CBS All Access. They have Star Trek Discovery, which is like really their only. They have like one other original show, but people pay for it, and it's been wildly successful because people want to watch Star Trek. So, it, wasn't here's Johnny meant for that? No, that was for CISO, which was the NBC thing that they shut down. Oh, okay. But so yeah, I think it's a good question, and I don't know if they'll have all the answers, but I think just like how. 
Disney didn't stop making movies for theater when they started going to television. I don't think you know Disney Channel is going away anytime soon. Now, as kids get older, as the world keeps changing, who knows? But there will still be original content. I mean, they're sort of, I think, obligated because they're still getting paid by the cable companies to have some level of original content on Disney Channel. Okay. Or do you think there's any, like, do you think they would recycle some of the streaming service content onto Disney Channel, like, after a certain period of time? Um, And I asked that because I didn't get to go, but D23 had a one Saturday morning event last weekend. And what was interesting was it seemed very focused on recess, which was created for one Saturday morning, and Kim Possible, which was a Disney Channel series that got recycled like three months after episodes premiered onto one Saturday morning for kids who didn't have Disney Channel. Um, And they spent a lot of time focused on Kim Possible. Well, I mean, once again, I can only go to what I've seen so far. Eventually, like, so if ESPN Plus, they premiered The Last Night as an original movie on that service. And then three Last weeks, maybe night. a month. What's that? Last Days what? of Night. Uh, what did I call it? Last Night. Oh, yeah. No, that's not right. <laughs> Last Days of Night. Um, and then I think, like, maybe three weeks later, maybe a month later, it end- aired on ESPN. Mm. Um, so possible, but I think they'll still want to have stuff that's original to both. There's an interesting article um, from a sports business site that interviewed the pre- people in charge of 30 for 30. And they, you know, their question was, is this going to be on ESPN Plus or is it going to be on ESPN? And they basically said, we don't know yet. And you know, they're probably going to put some stuff on ESPN Plus, some stuff will air on ESPN, and they're just going to take it on a case-by-case basis. Makes sense. Um, with Clone Wars, I was never really a fan of the show. I tried to get into it when StarWars.com published their linear list, and I made it through probably the equivalent of two seasons um, but I will say, knowing that it's coming back and having finished Star Wars Rebels and seen what happens with Ahsoka, um, who originated in that series, I am interested in catching up and following the the continuation of it. So StarWars.com is doing like a rewatch every Tuesday and Thursday. So they're kind of going through each episode, um, presumably to time it correctly. But I just got breaking news. Um, Disney Company puts on plans on hold for new hotel. Which one? The Disneyland one. Oh, okay. We have given you have given us no other choice than to put construction of the hotel on indefinite hold as the resort reevaluates the economic viability of future hotel development in Anaheim. It's a good thing they just this, shut down the whole it, resort. Is this a is this another slam at Anaheim City Council? Yes. Okay. What did they recently do? It's been a while since I've had to overhear a, a city council meeting. Fanboy listens to Aubrey sing a lot. So, with that being said, um, I, I guess just to wrap up Clone Wars, it's you know, I'm I'm trying to rewatch it. Um, I'm happy for the fans. I think it's great for them. The I've never seen a group of people get so excited about something like that. You know, it's really cool to be in – I wasn't there, but you know, watching the video and just seeing the enthusiasm they had. That room was full of Clone Wars fans, and they're going to get to see the end of the Clone Wars. So um, that's great. As a Disney fan, it makes me excited that 
if they're giving Star Wars some fan service programming, maybe we'll get some fan service programming. I don't, I mean, I don't yeah, know what that, that would be, but that was definitely something that Bob harped on a lot in the recent, um, not shareholders meeting, but the Qu- quarterly earnings, earnings announcement. Yeah, he, you know, it was talking about, you know, it was kind of funny how people take these quotes of his. Oh, he says it's going to be a lot cheaper than Netflix. It's like, yeah, he said that before. Yeah. <laughs> and that they don't need to have as much content as Netflix, and he said that before. But, you know, mm-hmm. he said, like, that was really a priority for them. He even mentioned D23 as uh, when talking about how, you know, they really need to, how there's such a large and diverse Disney fan base with all these different interests and uh, how they've really been working to make this service something that um, serves all of all of the fandom and uh, does so in a, in a in a good way. So... I think that that was an interesting uh, quote, and it'll be intre- it'll be good to see what comes of it. Yeah, it's interesting because I I didn't get to listen to the earnings announcement this year or this quarter, and you know I I haven't come back and listened to it. There's nothing stopping me, I guess. But um, you know it would have been you read our live blog. That was good enough. Yeah, I, I read that. That was good. But uh, you know it's. It's, it's, he doesn't nor, earning Disney fans do not typically come up during earnings conference calls, so um, you know it's nice to hear that. I guess my, all my point, and I hope I get all the shows that I ever always wanted for a Disney streaming service to be on the service. Torkel Sons, Torkel Sons. Is there any rumors out? I know like there's the announced shows and then there's movies, but is there any rumors as to like what kind of fan service programming we might get? I want it to be like complete, no holds barred. The vault is open and available for streaming. Like I want to be able to watch the Horse Masters. You know, you won't be able to watch Star Wars. Uh, why wouldn't it include it? It, it won't include any Star Wars. Or just no, because because the well, because Disney licensed out. Star, I guess episode four is a different story, but Broadcast the uh, the other ones to what was it? TBS. Yeah. TBS, TNT, and some Boom. other places. Okay. So, well, I'm just gonna say, if you're a fan, you should own those. It is weird. Like, are people gonna those stop? Those are self-worthy movies. But, like, do I need to still buy things from my Movies Anywhere account if it's all going to be on the streaming service? Well, so uh, I have been. Um, like, any time and, – and Amazon recently discounted, like, 20 different random Disney titles from throughout the years to, like, seven ninety nine. So I stocked up. <laughs> but um, my thing is I don't trust – that this streaming service is going to have everything I, I really want. Um, and so I've just been of the mindset that, you know, whatever, whatever goes under $10 Disney wise that I would like to own, I'm going to add to my movies anywhere account. Um, and if it's in the streaming service, then, Oh, well, but the other thing that I, I question is if, the, street, the Disney streaming service will sort of follow the Netflix approach where things will add and disappear from the service over time. You know what I mean? And like you just mentioned, Star Wars being licensed for broadcast rights. Well, I know Disney works a lot with HBO and um, 
what's the other one? Stars. I think they do a lot of, of TV rights for stars. And so if they're not completely shutting that down and those companies say, you know, we want, and this is a real world example, we want Meet the Deedles and we don't <laughs> want it available elsewhere, um, then, you know, Meet the Deedles might be on the streaming service, but then it might disappear and you can't access it without owning it unless I, um, you have HBO. I think Disney's shutting all that down. You think they're shutting all that down? You think there will be no longer be a Kid and King Arthur's Court? Kid and King Arthur's Court on, like, the HBO Family Channel? Yes. Okay. It might, it might be on Disney Channel. Yeah, I mean... I, well, I, that would I'm... be different. Like, you wouldn't expect them to pull it. Because Disney Channel will show... Will air things that Disney has also li- licensed to Netflix. Like, Disney... Like, just because Pocahontas was on Netflix didn't stop mm-hmm. Disney Channel from including Pocahontas in their, um, you know, Disney Movie Day. Or Freeform, even, you know? Yeah, I mean, and I can't say exclusively, but I know that they're already sort of preparing the balance sheet to not getting revenues from these third-party sources. Mm. I I, I think they want to have as much Disney content on there as possible. Cool. Which I I mean, and I I I just don't know what that's going to do to DVD sales. I mean, I guess DVD will come out, you know, a couple months before then, and you know, you get the cool little box maybe. I mean, I mean, I, you know, or digital, if you just want to well, own it and if you're the looking at from... the thing about the thing about like physical media and this, you know, unless they're really changing the way that we stream content is they typically don't include any bonus features with the streaming service options. Um, and and the other thing is you can't download it, whereas like if you have a well, I'm assuming you know, they could go the Amazon or Netflix route where you can download select things for a mobile device. But, you know, if they're not including that level of um, of service, which if it's a discounted price, you know, they can justify not doing it. Then that would be one reason where you would have the advantage of owning it either on Movies Anywhere or Blu-ray or DVD. Well, DVD is a bad example since Disney doesn't put any bonus features on DVDs anymore. <laughs> but um you know, those are reasons why physical media, I think, wouldn't die. And perfect example is on September 1st, Disney's releasing, or, or early September, they're re-releasing Hocus Pocus and Nightmare Before Christmas on Blu-ray in 25th anniversary editions. And they haven't made any announcements about the bonus features on them. But the uh, information that was sent to retailers on why they should stock up on these is that they include brand new bonus features, which for Hocus Pocus... It'll be the first time it's ever had a bonus feature in home media release. And they're pushing these so hard that there's store exclusives through Target and Best Buy. There's a Best Buy Steelbook for both, and there's a Target um, book and, and movie set for both. And so that to me says, like, they're not giving up on home media just because they're uh, launching the streaming service. I wouldn't say giving up on it because they'll, they'll cut it, but... Yeah, I, mean, I guess I just don't know if if you're eva- – I mean, we're not talking us, right, where we might be a little bit more invested in our Disney – where we spend our money. But if you're a family and you know that Captain America and all those things are going to be on – you're going to pay $5 a month and you're going to get it, you know, you might not have it in perpetuity like you would with a digital purchase, but you're going to have it. And you can have all this other content. Why would I spend twenty bucks or whatever it is to purchase it? Well, well, the main reason, if that's all you're there for, like you know, you're 
your average viewer of the Marvel films isn't your average Disney fan. So if those are included in the streaming service, unless it's just someone who wants to subscribe for a month and quickly watch them all, they're probably just going to be collecting them over time, you know? And if they're producing three movies a year, it's about 20 bucks each. So 40, 60 bucks for the year gets you those three movies versus if this subscription service is $12 a month. Well, it's, know, not gonna be, it's not going to be $12 a month. I mean, what do you what's mean? Net, what's Netflix? Netflix is now, well, I don't, I have the multi-screen thing with the extra users. So my Netflix is like $15 a month. Right. Let's so see. it's about, Let me look and see a, how much Netflix would be if you were just joining it right now. Because I have this. Because they change that too. They sometimes grandfather you in. Like, you can be paying. Um, the basic. Oh, I get. Wow. Did they change this? Did they cheapen it again? Yeah. I remember at one point they were pushing it up higher. So the base basic is seven ninety nine, which gets you um, one screen at a time. So this is supposed to be significantly cheaper than Netflix. Okay. And so I don't know how many screens that includes or HD I wonder what or whatever. But... I wonder what they're comparing it to. I wonder which plan they're comparing it to when they say that. I don't know, but let's – I mean, I'm just going to go with five bucks because that's what ESPN Plus is. It okay. might be more. It might be less. I don't know. But that I, I feel like $50 a year is probably about where you're looking at it. Okay. And so that's essentially – if you buy three movies, you paid for it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you might not get all the bonus features or the, you know, whatever else. But well, how I'm much is that curious, worth? You know, all of this, the content, like the Lady and the Tramp movie, they've been making a lot of casting announcements about. So with that kind of a film, obviously it's it debuts on the streaming service. But I'm curious if like three months later they'll still do a Blu-ray release for someone who wanted it. You know. Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I know it's weird that for Netflix they do that, right? Like Daredevil yeah, well, was released on DVD. And um, Netflix it's a little bit different because the product is created by different companies and they're allowed to sort of do what they will with it. So Fuller House is Warner Brothers and they release the season sets of Fuller House on Blu-ray and DVD um, like six months after it debuts on Netflix. Kimmy Schmidt's Universal. You can buy Kimmy Schmidt on DVD, you know? Um in addition to like Disney's Marvel shows. And I think I think they must there must be a significant enough population that either doesn't get Netflix and has interest in that programming and would buy it otherwise, or who wants the physical release, which probably has some level of bonus features on it. Well, but it's a little different too, in that Netflix casts a wide net. So, it, first of all, it's significantly more expensive, and if you only want to see Fuller House, then, you know, it might not make sense to subscribe to Netflix. Or even if you only want to see the Marvel shows, you know, they release, what, two or three a year? You know, maybe that doesn't make sense. But, presumably, if I'm interested in watching Lady and Tramp, I'm also interested in watching... Sword in the Stone and all the other junk, not junk, but you know. Um, so maybe we'll we'll find out. But I just feel like, I, you know, I can't conceive of any 
Disney fan, and I don't just mean the folks listening to this podcast. I'm talking about like all those people that go to Disneyland every weekend and make you know the 80 billion people that or whatever there's there not subscribing to this thing for five bucks a month because yeah. it just seems like such a no-brainer. Well, do you think they'll do other? Um, like, I'm curious what this is going to do to Disney Movie Club. And I'm curious if they'll do any partnerships with those kinds of things or even with D23. Um, you know, I think I think we talked about this before. I think it would be cool if there were different levels of like login. Like, OK, so you're you're subscribing to the Disney streaming service and you get access to all of this stuff. But then if you're also a D23 member and you connect your membership, it opens up like a vault, you know, of like older stuff that you might be more interested yeah. in. You know? I, can't, I, I do not think that they're going to be that well organized. I don't think so either, <laughs> but that would be really cool, right? And, and then it would it would kind of cross-pollinate because if you're subscribing to the streaming service and you suddenly, you know, you watch um, Pollyanna and suddenly decide, oh my gosh, I want to see every Hayley Mills film that she ever did at Disney. And if they've put moon spinners behind the d23 section you know then it's like oh maybe i'll join d23 yeah well, I, I don't i don't know if there's well, anything because there's the free membership of d23 but you know it just i don't yeah. know oh. i think it'd I mean, be cool I, if they would do things like that yeah but i i want to know if the, the live stream things right will they yeah. live stream park openings will well, they, i mean doing... parks Block does that anyway but park will they Block do that, that... for but I think it would be cool if Parks Blog did it. You know, they could still do it on YouTube and Facebook, but also had it synced up through the service. The other thing is through Disney Now, they have like a little section where you can watch professionally filmed versions of Fantasmic, Rivers of Light. Um, I think the Pixar Fireworks show from Disneyland. Like they've got, you know, Disney's own HD presentation of those entertainment offerings at the parks available for you to access. And so I think it would be cool if they, you know, expanded that and did more of that and even had some archival content. What's interesting is, is I subscribe to ESPN plus, not so much that I was, you know, I felt like I needed in my life, but as someone who's just following Disney, Disney, yeah, I just want to see what was going on there. And, <laughs> and it's been interesting because there's a couple of things that I've noticed that I don't know that I necessarily expected. One is, and I, I, this will probably not be the case with Disney, but one is that it's really integrated with ESPN. If I go to ESPN.com and there's something on ESPN Plus that's tied to a league or team I enjoy, it's going to put that front and center. If it's on linear, if it's on ESPN Plus, outside of a little tag, I don't necessarily know the difference when I go through the ESPN app on my Apple TV. Number two is there's some really niche programming on there. Like, they have a weekly lacrosse show. They have two soccer studio shows. They have fantasy. They have MMA. They have two different boxing shows. There's just a lot of, I don't say cheap, but, you know, studio shows with, you know, that, that, that get really into the weeds of sports. It's not something that you would ever see on an ESPN linear network. And it's... The only, and the other thing that surprises me is how hard it is for me to find out what's on ESPN+. Plus. It's They don't do a great job of saying, here's what's new. You know, Here's how you find content. Hmm. And um, they send out a, like a weekly newsletter, but 
it's not very well done and you know it just highlights a couple things it doesn't really there's no sort of tv guide for espn plus and i were and not worry it's not the right word but i wonder if they'll fix that for disney so i'll know what's new is there a new episode of the show is there a new movie that's debuting whether it's an you know original film a new film or you know a, something from the vault like how am i going to stay on top of that and um It'll be interesting to see. I would hope that the Disney um, app makes it easier to tell what's new. <laughs> and I would I would hope that they like, you know, well, and Movies Anywhere does this already. So I'm guessing they're using some of this technology. But Movies Anywhere will um, combine things into uh, categories. And that'll rotate depending on what's new. So like when Jurassic World was opening weekend, it had like a whole scrolling sidebar of dinosaur related content, which included Disney and non-Disney items. Did everyone did everyone get their free copy of what movie was it? Uh, one of the newer X-Men. Uh, yeah, X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah. If you link up your uh, Movies Anywhere account from Microsoft... Actually, you don't even yeah. need to be Microsoft. It's just any oh, yeah. new account. Any new account, but if you're caught up, then... <laughs> yeah, like, like they recently did one through Amazon, but it was like if you already had your account linked, you didn't get it. But So the other thing that kind of plays into this whole strategy that they're doing um, is Disney, the shareholders, and the Fox shareholders, while I was in Europe, approved uh, um, the merger. So for those keeping score at home, Fox, uh, the United States has approved the merger. The shareholders have approved the merger. So outside of some sort of other um, um, probably some minor things, they're really just waiting on a bunch of international countries to kind of uh, finish out their approval process. And then it uh, looks like everything's back on track after a little bit of a scare, for lack of a better word, from Comcast. So get ready for Disney Princess Anastasia. What was funny about the the meetings, because there were two happening at the same time, so, you know, fanboys like, I'm not going to be here. We're going to need to do, should we do two live blogs, one for each? Okay, we'll just do one, <laughs> but we'll just, we'll have to have one person listening to one and one person listening to the other and someone else filtering it all through. And each meeting was no more than 10 minutes. <laughs> like, <laughs> they said that like in the hotel, like I think the Fox one had less than 50 or fewer than 50 people in it. And the Disney one had a few more. There weren't even, I think there was one question about the person asked if, um, if they would get a new stock certificate because they were technically issuing a new stock. Um, and they're like, uh, I don't actually know. <laughs> that, that that's was a bad answer. question because it's not even a certificated stock anymore. Yeah, that's kind of the, like we're kind of moving away from physical stocks. <laughs> um, and then someone else said that we were overpaying. I think they said that Fox should be eight to ten billion. Didn't we pay seven for Star Wars? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so then. I think all of Fox is worth less than. Star Wars. After two or three quote unquote questions, they're like, okay, and the results are in and it's approved. Thanks. Bye. And that was it. <laughs> it was yeah, it. it's funny because I was like, not only was I in Europe, I was like landing as the meeting started. So like I couldn't even 
there was no Wi-Fi on the plane anyway, but like I, even if I want to. And so I land like 20 minutes after the meeting start and I go, oh, let me see what's going on. And then I'm like, I'm confused. What's happening? <laughs> it's, it seems like it's over. It was very much over. So sort of a non-event after all of that. Well, but... yeah, we kind of the writing was on the wall because they had already been talking about how like the Murdochs controlled a good amount of the stock to begin with. And then that other company, um, the other major investor that mm-hmm. ha- had been had been pressuring Murdoch, uh, the Murdochs to give Comcast more time to bid. Well, once Comcast dropped out, I think the day before the meeting, they announced that they were voting yes. So <laughs> there was really yeah. no tension anymore. I think it was 99% of Disney shareholders approved it. <laughs> Which I was surprised by because 99% of shareholders don't approve nothing. So... I don't know. I mean, it must be a good deal then, even after all that. The other, the only thing that's sort of outstanding is Sky. So Fox owns a portion of Sky. Let's say about forty percent. Thirty-nine. They're trying to buy the rest of it. Comcast has currently outbid them, but because it's a UK company, it's incredibly weird the process they go through. Um, so basically, Disney has until. September 22nd-ish to up their offer. I shouldn't say Disney. Fox has till 22nd of September to up their offer. But in order for them to up their offer, they have to get approval from Disney. Um, My understanding is there's a whole lot of back-channel stuff happening as we speak. But um, I I don't know if Disney will end up owning Sky or not. or They'll probably end up owning a portion of it, whether they decide to keep it as a minority interest or cash out and use that money to help pay down what they paid for Fox. Who knows? But uh, I don't think that's the sexiest part of the deal. However, it is a big part of the deal because just of the international presence Sky has. So speaking of Sky (laughs) or beyond the Sky, everyone excited for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? If that happens. I think it's happening. Like, does anyone doubt that it's happening? I mean, I want, I, uh, it's hard to tell now. You think they would just not make it? Well, I mean, I, I think it's more likely than not that it's going to happen. But at the same time, with just all the cast drama and all, you know, just the whole thing, I could see the muscle just being like, whatever. But I don't hmm. know. Well, I mean. Because until this movie comes out, we're going to be hearing about it. Like, this is going to – this whole this whole movie is going to have this cloud over it for eternity. Um. Well, at least it's initial release. I wouldn't say eternity. I mean, how quickly do we forget about the drama that surrounded, you know, past films? Well, I mean, I just look at what – like, so – Edgar Wright and Ant-Man, right? Edgar Wright was supposed to direct Ant-Man. Whatever happened, happened. And he didn't direct it. But he didn't get fired for anything like this. Anything that's controversial, right? It just didn't work out. And the whole time they released... It wasn't really until Ant-Man and the Wasp came out that it, there wasn't always conversation about what happened to Edgar Wright surrounding that film. See, I... I... Felt like I felt like that one was way more low profile than this, but I think there's so much love for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, 
it's uh, it's it's kind of a niche within the MCU. I feel like it has a bigger fan base or a semi-different fan base that's probably not as as uh, typical fanboy as as others are. Um, who wouldn't care as much or boycott just because of a, a change in um, creative team? I mean, my my point from it too is we're in an era right now where we're seeing major franchises rebooted by you know people who had nothing to do with the original and they're still doing well and like Jurassic World's a perfect example like Steven Spielberg's not hyper involved um, nor has anyone who worked on the original films uh, but that doesn't stop them from making billions of dollars but I think like Guardians of Galaxy is unlike Jurassic World or I mean first of all Jurassic World sort of had already had that history but it's a I hate to use the term you know auteur or whatever but it's it has so much James Gunniness to it where it's not like I, I I agree but I would also say that you know what makes Guardians work is that it's weird and it's quirky and that to me is why Thor Ragnarok worked so well. And so, you know, if there's any logical replacement, I would say Taika Waititi um, should be next in line to take a crack at the Guardians films. People loved Thor Ragnarok so much that I feel like if they announced that Taika Waititi was directing it, um, that there would still be enough intrigue and curiosity in it to not really damper any of the uh, success, but, but but the way it played yeah. out, I don't even know if he would take it. It just feels like it's damaged goods to a okay. point. You know, for someone who has that, who well, I know, mean, if they're making that decision. There's quite a bit they can do in post with the next Avengers film. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, and, and I mean, I, I don't know that they're not going to do it. They might just give it all a college try. But I mean, I'd hate to be the publicist just because you know, every time someone opens their mouth, this is going to come up. I don't know about every time, but um, the other uh, the other thing is, I mean, from publicity standpoint, you know, you kind of let it speak for itself. It's it's uh, I know they always do press junkets for everything, but I mean, Rogue One was a case where like they didn't let the press see the full film, um, you know, before it was released. They let us see a little bit of the film and then talk with the people. But they could even do a, a scenario where, like, you know, they don't even do a, a true junket. Like, you don't get to interview them um, and just let the film come out and, and avoid that, you know, and not have quotes from every actor or uh, person involved. Yeah, and uh, they might. But just if you think about, you know, if you're working from a support perspective trying to promote this movie – it's just one other thing you got to deal with. Mm. And, you know, it's, I mean, you just got to be so exhausted dealing with, I mean, we can say, you know, who was right, who was wrong. I'm not, I don't know that I care at this point. It's not really for here and it's been debated so much. Yeah. But it's, the world is so polarized. It's, you know, it just, so hard to do anything especially if you have some sort of artistic bend to you where you know you're not going to be walking on eggshells i mean it's a it's a different thing for a politician to put his foot in his mouth than 
you know, for someone who is quote an artist to do something stupid. And yeah. it's just, I, you know, I mean, social media makes it in a way that, you know, this wouldn't have happened 15 years ago because there wouldn't have been an outlet to put something so stupid on the internet. And so it's, you know, I mean, the thing is, like, even when there was web pages, like, you, you had to sit down and, you know, think about it and type it. Not saying, and pe- plenty of people put stupid things on the internet. But when you can tweet on your phone from your, you know, the toilet seat, it's just so people say things that they regret online all the time. Yeah. I mean, and one of the things that I think, uh, I guess, Internet society, (laughs) um, if I'm being uh, specific, hasn't really arrived at yet is allowing people to uh, change and grow and learn, you know, Um, like that's one of the things that I think is sad about this is these weren't recent comments, you know, and I'm not I'm not defending anything that that James Gunn tweeted or, or, um, or trying to agree with anything he said. But what I, the point is none of this was recent, right? It's not like Roseanne who uh, has her show and had previously demonstrated um, an inability to be politically correct online and then did something really offensive and lost her show. This was, well, how long ago was it? Six years? More like closer to 10. So like almost 10 years ago, you know, he he said some some things that that are offensive um, and and concerning. But, you know, when when he comes out and says, I haven't like I've thought about this and regretted it um, ever since then. And um, and when everyone else is coming out in his defense and saying, you know, this is not the person that we know, this is not the person we worked with, we don't see this person that that um appeared to have been there 10 years ago you know we have to accept the fact that we as people grow and change and evolve over time like no if nobody is is exactly who they are today who they were 10 years ago right like well, the, we problem, all... the problem is, is there's no we we don't have to do anything no and, i'm just i'm just saying and... that's where i think this this movement because uh, you know, I'm not blaming anything, um, but I'm just saying where we where we're at as like an online Internet society is something breaks and we jump into outrage and this kind of mob mentality, I think, is what I've heard it quoted as this mob mentality of like, OK, we've got to band together and stop this. Um, and, you know, it's it's a it's a shame Again, I'm not defending anything he said, but it's a shame that um, what, you you know, your past public mistakes can affect your present that greatly. And I mean, none of us are in in the spotlight like that. And I guess I guess I'm talking with with something that's not an illegal crime because, you know, I mean, if you've got a criminal record, that's going to stay with you. And that's probably the biggest equivalent. But like as as somebody in the spotlight. Um, you know, this was this was uncovered because someone was just going back through all of his um, public tweets and, and found these things, um, you know, that he had long since forgot about and moved away from. Right. Yeah. And but there's a political bent to this that there is. Yeah. No, there was. It, it seems like there was an agenda. And I mean, and, and they're both sides of any 
of the political spectrum do this all the time too, where they, you know, dig up old skeletons, and it's it's unfortunate. I mean, that's why. I mean, I I mean, I'm 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 torn in that I I feel like yes, you know, you should be able to repent for your mistakes and move on. You should not be, you know, you say something stupid. I'm not talking about acting. I'm saying say something stupid, and you never get a chance to work again. Uh, well, I you know, don't that's think, not fair. I don't and I'm think not saying that's that going to that happen. Is, no, I'm yeah. not saying that. But ultimately, I mean, that's he, you know, an avenue of work for him got shut off because of something he said a decade ago. Uh-huh. Now, at the same time, you want to go, the things he said, they weren't borderline. And they're not things that as we've evolved, as, you know, we've determined that this might be more offensive than, than you know, something right. that's offensive today that wasn't offensive 10 years ago. This was nasty stuff back then, too. Right. And why, if you have any sort of public persona or public ambition, why you would put that on the Internet well, is, I mean, it's not like he was 12 years old, you know, I mean, and... and yeah, and one of the words that he used in one of the tweets, it, it, what struck me as funny was like 15 years ago, so even before he did this, Hillary Duff was in a PSA campaign to stop to get kids to stop using this word in like uh, conversation or or against each other. So it was just funny that uh, that was there. Yeah, so you know, I guess it's just I'm sort of I, I get I get both sides of it. Is this is not a minor thing mm-hmm. and this is not something that pun intended uh, <laughs> yeah I mean it's oh. he did something very stupid at a time when he should have known better you know I mean if 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 he was 15 and tweeted this stuff not saying it's okay but I would have given him a free pass now but to do it when you're 40 is disgusting and yeah i mean he, he should have the opportunity to repent he should have the opportunity to grow but it's not you know this is this was this was not you know saying pg-13 things no or even having a potty mouth this was disgusting well and i i mean for your opinion i mean disney this is kind of the second similar case the first being roseanne um, that they've run into in 2018, and do you th- if if the James Gunn like internet outrage had happened pre Roseanne, do you think they would have been so quick to pull the plug? No, I think they felt like it probably wouldn't. They have acted. Happened. Yeah, well, they would have. Yeah, I mean, first of all, they probably wouldn't. Have, it's Kyle's right. It probably wouldn't have happened. And then I think they saw how Roseanne. You know, it all. They made a decision. They looked at it black and white, and they made the decision, and quickly, and it seemed to kind of end fairly quickly. I'm not saying that they're, you know, they want to deal with it, but I mean, if you had to compare, Roseanne's comics were comments were completely unacceptable, and she's has a history of thing, doing things that are completely unacceptable, and, but, at the same time. You know, I mean, what James Gunn said, I don't I hate to put a value judgment on it, but it's, you know, they're saying that, you know, they're stupid and they're disgusting. And James Gunn definitely won the disgusting award. I think it probably would have been different if it was a different 
company too. I think because of the the subject well, matter I, I, of some of them, you know, I think Disney's hands were kind of tied. Yeah, I mean, it, it's a good point, and it's it's curious to see how they handle things in the future with Fox, um, just because Fox isn't a company that's ever been held to like the high moral moral standards that Disney is. You know, it's not it's not known as a family company. <laughs> and but so it, I also, don't, you know, if, if James Gunn wasn't politically active, which every citizen has the right to be, but would this wouldn't have come up either, or it wouldn't, it wouldn't be as polarizing. And I, and you know, I guess I'm not going to comment on what that means, but you know, I think it needs to be pointed out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not in that uh, the crowd that says like, "Oh, you're an actor, so you should stick to acting and stay out of politics." Because every single news network, and I don't care which one you're watching, every single news network has some level of celebrity on to comment on <laughs> um, current world affairs at some point. You know, where and and just by, um, I mean. If you're saying that, then it means that we all like don't have the right to form an opinion if we're not in the political sector. Right? No, I mean, I mean, obviously, like, every, everyone has the right to have a political opinion. I mean, we all vote. Yeah, so we shall have opinion. Where I, I mean, what I don't agree with is somehow sometimes celebrities get like extra credit for like somehow they're viewed as knowing things better than other people when they, you know, I'd rather listen to an economist talk about what should happen than. You know, a celebrity, but they have a right to share their political opinion, and that's fine. And I don't, I, w- I don't want to say discourage it or encourage it. They should do whatever they're comfortable with. But know that when you talk religion and when you talk politics, you're instantly being divisive. And if, if that's worth it to you, great. But just accept that, mm-hmm. because whether we like it or not, fifty percent, about fifty percent of the country disagrees with you yeah it's just um yeah it's just it's so weird how uh how polarized it gets and it's it's uh like they're not on our team so let's take them down kind of a mentality i mean that's what this equates to right yeah well i mean some somewhere along the line politics became a team sport which is incredibly dangerous but um you know, I mean, and you, and I mean, it's gotten worse in the lot. You know, in the last, I don't know, let's say five years, but it's, it, it's, you can see various intellectual inconsistencies in people's arguments based on what side of the coin is advocating or making the statement. But that's not fun. Let's talk about something fun. Right. <laughs> it's a Disney podcast slash Fox. What, what's the most? What's the Fox thing you're most excited about? Um, ooh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm really enjoying researching Fox history and finding all the parallels to Disney. Um, I just did another of the Getting to Know You series that should be going up sometime in the near future. And one of the fun things is that the other co-founder of 20th Century, uh, Joseph Sheck, was. Or not Joseph Schenck, um Daryl Zanuck uh, was the co-founder of 20th Century, and he played polo with Walt Disney. Marco. Yeah, 
Um, so that's fun. Uh, you know, all these fun little connections. The other guy, Joseph Shank, was on the board of uh, United Artists, which distributed for Disney for a little while. Um, so there's kind of all these fun little parallels. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, just random stuff in that Salvador Dali Destino book that Dave Bossert did. You know, you found out that um, Walt Disney met Salvador Dali at a party at Jack Warner's. And so, you know, all of these Hollywood movie moguls, we always think of them as being so competitive and, and cutthroat against each other. And in reality, there was just such a small pool of them that they actually swam in the same social circles. So um, I thought that was uh, quite fun. I like that we're inheriting kind of a bigger um, movie history uh, vault, I guess. Um, you know, we're getting... Uh, the works of Marilyn Monroe and Shirley Temple and um, a lot of great Westerns and kind of some genres that um, Disney never really had their foot in to begin with. Um, that'll now be part of the culture. Um, and I'm really, I know they've said that they don't plan to do much with Fox films in the park, but I don't really believe that. <laughs> so I'm curious to see how, how this um, does penetrate the parks eventually. I think it will uh, sooner than later. Kyle, you got something you're excited about? Uh, probably just the MCU stuff, most of all. I keep forgetting about that, but yeah, that's an excellent point. X-Men. Not really like I'm a huge X-Men fan. I mean, I used to like that 90s show as a kid. But, you know, I just do... I enjoy the... I like that Marvel has all the tools in their toolbox. Does this? Is Are there any other studios they have? Well, Sony, I guess, with Spider-Man. Is that the last one? Uh, I get. I mean, there, there's some weird Hulk things. Oh, that's right, Hulk and Universal. And then, yeah, I mean, there might be some here and there, but I, I think outside of Spider-Man's Spider-Man, whatever, whatever happens there, the Sinister um, Six. I think, yeah, I think uh, I think they locked them all up. Cool. What about you, fanboy? I am excited for Sound of Music to now be a Disney film, so people can stop forgetting it's not a disney film <laughs> well there, i mean there's quite a few of those within fox that that people thought were were disney films i mean dr doolittle is so kind of sherman-esque um in many sensibilities and so that'll be under under disney as well um not to mention you know anastasia and thumbelina um have always sort of been confused by uh kind of the layman as uh, Disney. And, um, you know, I know I know from when I worked at Magic Kingdom how many guests would just randomly come up to me and ask where they can meet Anastasia, not familiar with the fact that she wasn't a Disney princess. And it was even more confused by the fact that that's the same name as one of the Cinderella stepsisters who does daily meet and greets in Magic Kingdom. And so, like, if you weren't a cast member in the know and you just grabbed your little guidebook that told you where all the characters are, you'd say, like, oh, yeah, Cinder- Anastasia's going to be by the castle in 20 minutes. Um, and then they get there and it's it's a pink dress, not a yellow dress. Because uh, that's the only difference. It's the only difference. So I, I have a feeling that, you know, Disney – parks will eventually buckle and you'll have Anastasia around. I also, I, so I don't love the film, the greatest showman, but I do love the music. And I swear 
so many of those songs lend themselves perfectly to Disney Park parades. I really think we're going to get Disney parades with uh, some level of greatest showman uh, music in it now that they'll have all those rights. Okay, well, join us. Um, that's a wrap. So join us next time. Uh, we're going to talk Disneyland Paris. We're going to talk Adventures by Disney. We're going to talk whatever happens between now and then. And uh, I guess that's it. You got any, Anything you want to wrap up with, Alex? Uh, we we didn't mention Freaky Friday, but I just want to mention real quick. I just got the alert that it was the highest rated um, family movie on cable for the summer, uh, which is kind of cool. Um, if you haven't seen it, it's on Disney now. It's uh, an adaptation of the stage musical, which we've talked about on the podcast. If you're a longtime listener, and um, and also if you are a fan of of any previous film version, uh, there's nods and easter eggs to at least all three that have been done prior so that'll be fun to pick up Kylie got anything? When I was in the Smokies I went to Dollywood and Dolly Parton was actually there so, so I don't know what else you could ask for Wow that'd be like going to Disneyland and Walt Disney being there I thought you were going to say Mickey Mouse but yours is better What's a meet and greet like it? I mean not like what are the like characters like at Dollywood Um they didn't shock have, and awe or what they didn't have any <laughs> when i was there maybe i think they i know that several dollar city has like rudolph licensing so mm-hmm. i assume that they this would too since they're part of hirschfield i wonder if they're gonna be able to keep that now uh, that get rudolph's owned by universal rudolph is owned by universal now well the the rank and bass version it, it was at warner brothers for the longest time yeah i think it got bought by classic media and Classic Media got bought by DreamWorks. DreamWorks got bought by Universal. Interesting. That's why, like, they used to, like, have Rudolph in the Disney stuff, but then I think someone realized he wasn't public domain, and they took him out. (laughs) In any case, uh, thanks so much for joining us. I look forward to it next time, and we'll see you soon.